The Podcast Show. Giving ideas a voice. Hi, welcome to the podcast show. My name is Shida Osman. And as usual, uh, the podcast show features the best and upcoming podcasters here in Asia um, and all over the world. But today, I have a very special guest. Um, his name is John Sabo, and he is the host for Far East Travel Podcast. Welcome to the show, John. Well, thank you, Sheeta. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you today. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. I'm in Phnom Penh at the moment. Uh, currently, I'm based in Saigon, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm I'm out here for a week uh, doing some podcasting and creating some video content. So I'm really enjoying uh, Phnom Penh. I haven't been to Cambodia in four years, so it's kind of been a refreshing change from where I usually am. So, oh, you haven't been there for four years. Where were you before? Where were you before? Well, I've been traveling all over Asia, but mm-hmm. I was based in Taiwan for several years mm-hmm. and I traveled out of Taipei, but I would frequently, you know, every couple of months or sometimes even more frequent uh, travel around East Asia or Southeast Asia or South Asia. So uh, the last real trip that I've done through Cambodia was four years ago, but I, I spent about six weeks here four years ago and uh, really enjoyed the trip. But, you know, things come up and you have other you know, when you're traveling and, and, and doing all of this stuff, you know, just the, you, there's places you want to go to, but just for some reason, something gets in the way and there's always been something getting in the way of, of coming here. But finally, you know, it's so, it's so easy to travel here from Ho Chi Minh city. You can just hop on a bus and in six hours you're here. So it was, it was actually, it's been a really nice trip. And, and surprisingly, I'm used to the, the, uh, just the, the thunder of all those motorbikes, uh, roaring right. around Saigon all the time, 13 million people and 8 million motorbikes uh, with a population of just over 2 million. Phnom Penh is kind of like a sleepy town. So it's been kind of nice. <laughs> right. That's a lot. But how long have you been traveling as a whole um, with Far East Podcasts? And how many well, countries? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. Sorry. I was just asking, um, for how many years have you been doing this? And how many countries in hand that you can have at the top of your head right now in total? Oh, I, I don't know. Not actually not that many countries. Uh, mostly I've been in Asia. I have traveled to Africa in the past, not while I've been working on this content, but I've been to Africa and South America. Mm-hmm. I really haven't done much Europe travel. I've just I've just put off Europe, but, uh, you know, it's a place that certainly I would like to explore at least some countries. But mostly I've been, the last six years, I've been focused on creating content from Asia. So I have traveled through most of the countries in Southeast Asia. I've been through Southeast Asia a few times, India a few times, Nepal about 10 times, Sri Sri Lanka, um, uh, you know, most of the countries in Southeast Asia and Japan, Korea, uh, uh, Taiwan, of course, because I was based there as well. And there Mm. might be another place or two in there as well. But but really the the content that I've been focused on, you know, for my podcasting and YouTube channel and a magazine I actually produce as well has been the last six years. Ah, okay. That's a long time. You're a seasoned podcaster. Mm, yeah, well, actually, how how the podcast all came about was kind of a roundabout way because I really when I, the first um, piece of content that I 
created or started creating when I came to Asia was a magazine, a digital magazine. And I was working with a, a partner on it. And, uh, you know, I really worked hard at it for a year, but it, it it's extremely hard for disco- discovery of a digital magazine, you know, when you're using the uh, Apple or iTunes um, platform, right. it's very hard to get discovered in there. So I worked really hard out of it. We just couldn't get any traction. So after about a year and a half, I gave up on it. But uh, the 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 podcast came out of a way to, you know, brand the magazine and use that. Original is called Far East Adventure Travel, mm. and so I started podcasting as a way to promote the the digital magazine. But then it turned out that the podcasting really was more important than the magazine in the end. Right. So it all started from there, from the digital magazine itself. Yeah, that's what I started the digital magazine, and then that was the first. You know, I've been doing a few YouTube videos, but nothing, you know, really serious. And then, uh, you know, I I got a hold of this uh, platform uh, um, that was supporting or hosting a digital magazine. So I worked with them and created this Far East Adventure Travel magazine. Mm-hmm. And there was audio and video content within the magazine. And uh, I mean, if you had a tablet or uh, an iPad, you know, you could get all of the, uh, you know, the moving parts in that, which is it's a pretty cool idea. But like I said, unless you're like a, a really big player like National Geographic mm. or, uh, you know, maybe Outside Magazine or something. And it was particularly National Geographic that, that probably dumps millions of dollars into advertising. It's really right. hard to get discovered doing a digital magazine. Yeah. Good. That's good advice. Um, so let's go into more into your Far East uh, travel podcast. So what's the inspiration behind it? What's the background? Like, how did you get the name? Why did you want to start it? So maybe the listeners can have um, a brief idea of why you want to start it. Far East travel podcast. Sorry. Far East is it travel podcast? Yeah, because I, I keep on seeing video on it as well, because I remember you have a YouTube channel. Well, we have two. There's two podcasts. There's the Far East Travel video podcast mm. and then the Far East Travels podcast. So and then there's just the John Sabo is the YouTube channel. Mm. But I'll try to make it as brief as I can. <laughs> it's OK. Um, Take your time. Okay. Uh, well, you know, I fell in love with Asia many, many years ago mm-hmm. before I moved here. And there was just something about the idea of being in a place and traveling around and and just seeing how different people and cultures are, you know, by only traveling a few hours. I mean, I can just even give you the example from coming from Vietnam to Cambodia, how different it is here. And I only, I hopped on a bus for six hours. Well, you can't, you can't, you know, I, I came from North America. I, I grew up in Canada and Vancouver and you, you, you know, you can't travel that. It's not going to be that much difference if you hop on a bus for six hours from where you, where you came from. So, uh, you know, that really from, from a Westerner, you know, somebody coming to Asia, I mean, that's pretty, fascinating to jump on a plane and travel around. So I was just mesmerized by all of the the, the cultures because everything was so different and the way people lived and their, um, you know, just the, the, the way they uh, just rituals, all kinds of things. I mean, I, just, I remember the you know, I went to Nepal and I saw the the cremation ghats on the Bag- Bagmati River and yeah. how people, you know, would um, 
you know, not, I guess, celebrate, but they would, they would uh, mourn in public. And this is just something that is not heard of in the West. Everything is done behind, you know, closed doors and these funeral homes and that. And, and it just, it, it just blew me away about how life was just, in some ways more precious and it was, uh, you know, death was a part of life. So those types of things kind of really, I think, captured my imagination and made me think, well, I would just love to be around this more and, and learn more. And, and so that's kind of how it originally started. And I was a media executive in Canada. I'm a longtime broadcaster in Canada. I started working in radio, uh, when I was still in high school Mm -hmm. and I worked at various radio stations and did television work. And then my last big job, corporate job was a media executive. So while I was a media executive, I I did some of this extensive travel. Mm -hmm. And uh, I also reported while I was traveling because I'd done reporting before and the programming department wanted me to call in from these different places. So when I went to China and Tibet, I would call in reports from there. I called in reports while I climbed up Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania and Africa. And I guess that was the inspiration for the Far East Adventure Travel magazine and the podcasting and all that was, was, you know, it started out as just something that I was doing as part of, you know, my recreation as, as, as something fun. And then having the idea that, wow, maybe is there a way I could do this and sustain myself or make a living? And, and, you know, so there was lots of steps after that. Mm. I was, I was, uh, you know, a casualty of downsizing, you know, traditional media, media has just changed so much over the years. So I had to decide what I was going to do next. And I, I could have either just kind of gone to look for another corporate tech job and as an executive or sales or management or something like that. Uh, but I know I wouldn't have been happy. And, and I decided to just take a big leap and a big chance and follow my dream. And that's how the whole thing started. Yeah, I think that's, um, I think that's a constant change for everyone who has been in the corporate industry. And then they just leap out of it and then they do something new, that something that they really love. That's what I realize a lot of people have been doing as well. But I think um, to each its own, I think it's a, a personal goal for everyone. Is that the same as you as well? You want to do something different? Well, I just, you know, I, I'd done the whole corporate thing and, Mm. and I really just couldn't believe in it anymore. Uh, You know, the, the, the way the whole thing is structured and, uh, you know, publicly traded companies where you have to report growth and everything is about, you know, uh, hitting the budget for the next quarter and it's, they've lost all the, uh, imagination and creativity and it's all just about numbers now and you know i mean you either go with it or you don't you know some people can continue to do that and they enjoy a good lifestyle and they like what they do but you know i'd always been somebody creating content from a very young age Mm. whether radio shows or reading news or things like that. So that was always a passion of mine. And I'd done all of this sales stuff and achieved, you know, a certain level of uh, goals in the corporate world. And I just didn't want to keep doing it. And I just wanted to, I thought, you know, I only got how many years have I got left to live? I want to just do something that I'm going to be happy doing. And the money isn't as important because I've already earned, you know, I've earned a certain amount of success and I know that that doesn't necessarily make you happy. So I think that's where some people in, in the corporate life find themselves is that they either, they either, you know, move on and they just kind of, you know, either grit their teeth or they just are good at, uh, working in the corporate structure or corporate culture. And some people are just very, uh, you know, they adapt very well to things like that. And some don't, and I'm just one of those 
people that, that didn't or didn't want to continue. So right. that's why I chose what I did. And of course, I mean, for me, I don't have, uh, uh, you know, any dependents. So it's, it was a, a much easier decision for me to make because I only have to worry about myself. Yeah. Right. Good. Um, so going back to your podcast, um, and especially knowing that you came from a broadcasting history uh, background, sorry, um, is it possible that you share with the listeners how do you brainstorm and research for your topics for Far East Travel Podcast? Like, is there, like, is there a structure to it? Like, do you find out via articles or via stories from your friends and your network, and then you go to Google and search, or do you back that up with books, or how do you do it? Yeah, that's, you know, that's a really good question. And I'm happy to share how I do it. I personally, I don't believe in brainstorming because I did that in the corporate world and it's too very corporate for me. And and I really prefer more to be inspired. Uh, and and where I get my inspiration from is, is doing the reading and the research because I love learning about places and the way people are and what they eat and how they live their life and all of those things. So that all of that and the po- politics of the country, the history of the country, the religion, the spirituality, all of those things are, are just a passion of mine. So I'm constantly reading about those things and watching the news. You know, I'm a big, uh, I've been watching Channel News Asia for years because it's one of the best sources of uh, information, to be honest with you, uh, you know, from Singapore for Southeast Asia for me or South Asia or East Asia for that matter, because it's all in English and uh, and they report from all of these countries that I go to travel to. So, I I mean, I I do get my inspiration or information from a a lot of different sources and then I'm just inspired. So, I mean, I'll I'll just give you an example. Like, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, so I've done one podcast while I was here. I recorded the other day. It's uh, uploaded now, the, one of my audio podcasts, on my first impressions of Phnom Penh since I uh, have been here for, since, uh, you know, not being here for four years. And then and then uh, the other thing is I'm, I'm always curious about, because a lot of my followers, uh, you know, are from the West and, and some are interested in either coming here to live or to work or to retire. And I'm always looking at all of the different kinds of options for visas and long-term stays and things like that as well. So uh, since I was last here, Cambodia has changed their long-term visa requirements now, and they're a little more uh, strict than they were before. So I will, the next, the next podcast I will do, I will relate that to my uh, audience as well. I'll give them an update on, on, you know, how things are here now. And so, so I, I mean, it's a, you know, I draw from a lot of things. I don't necessarily brainstorm. I just don't do well at that. I'm, I'm really more off of inspiration. So how do I get my inspiration? I just do things I love to do. You know, if I, I'll go for a walk somewhere, uh, I'll go have a coffee in a cafe and then all of a sudden just something will come to, to my head. That's, that's how I work. Ah, uh, okay. That's good. So, um, I have a question. I know you have a YouTube channel and you have an audio podcast as well. Do you, and I realize that in part being, you can actually see um, the video as well. Maybe we can run through with the listeners which one you started first and why, like, is there a transition in, because I realize for travel, because we do traveling, uh, sorry, we do traveling, not traveling shows, but we have a show called Sounds of Our City. And I realized that if you're going from places to places to uncover it for the world to see, you need to have a visual for that. So is there like a backstory to why probably you moved from audio to video or was it from video to audio? 
Well, it was from it was from video to audio, basically. So I had uh, I mean, I the the first, you know, uh, platform that I worked on was the digital magazine platform mm -hmm. and, and trying to create something like that. I did had had started a YouTube channel before, but I really didn't put a lot of I wasn't putting a lot of energy into it. I was really more at that time using the which I, I you know, I mean, I can if I tell you one regret I have is not focusing more on the YouTube channel, mm -hmm. at, you know, at the beginning, because I think I could have really built up something. I probably would have been a lot more ahead than I than I am now, but it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, but, uh, you know, I think, you know, for yeah, for for telling stories uh, visually, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just a much easier way to tell and inspire people for travel, uh, visually, you know, I mean, all of the inspiration I ever got was from television shows mostly and magazines, of course, too. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I was inspired by the Lonely Planet TV show when that was out and yeah. Anthony Bourdain, Anthony Bourdain, of course, was a, was a huge, uh, um, uh, inspiration to me and me, he went to all of these places that I'm traveling to now. And I wanted to go there because I saw him there and I saw the lonely planet crew in these different places. And, and, uh, and those were TV shows. And then of course, magazines as well. And, 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 uh, images, uh, were very inspiring. Like, uh, Steve McCurry, the famous national geographic photographer that took all those pictures in Afghanistan and, and in India. Hmm. Another big, big inspiration of mine as well. So, I mean, uh, you know, yeah, I, I think but but audio does have um, something that video doesn't have. And it, it's that uh, that theater of the mind that you can you can create a visual or help describe something and let somebody decide for themselves what that is. And that's a pretty powerful medium. Uh, that's why, I mean, I was originally a radio broadcaster. That's where I started. Mm. And if, if you, you know, uh, for podcasters, if they really learn how to be descriptive and, and, and describe the things that they're talking about in a visual way, you know, it, it's, it's almost uh, more powerful than just somebody watching a video. Yeah, I agree. I think podcasting, I would agree with you on that sentiment. Podcasting has that charm where you tell a story and it's according to the listeners itself to picture it in, in their heads of how it's going to look like. Right, exactly. So artistically, I mean, that's it's almost like you, you know, you do a painting and you let the person decide what they see. And it's the same thing with telling a story, uh, you know, uh, uh, an audio story. It's a, it's the same idea. You can describe where you are and what you're doing and, and people can imagine that in their own way, however they want to imagine it. Right. Whereas versus for visuals, you, you're just being pushed with visuals there and then and you you know you're just forced to look at it right yeah, yeah and I, I honestly I don't I, I, there's some of the, I mean I love the visual medium I mean most of the content you know that I produce is 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 visual <gasps> But I, I don't like some of the way the direction it's been going lately where like a lot of people just produce these kind of music video type, you know, videos and there's lots of slow motion and, oh, uh, um, you know, and it's, it's just it's kind of it's like, I wouldn't say insulting, but mm. uh, like just to when you're looking at some of the visuals and things like that, like I don't want to see somebody's, you know, when they're chopping something like they're, you know, a um, a viewpoint through their elbow while they're they're chopping an onion. You know what I mean? Like why why yeah. why do I need to see that? <laughs> so I, I I get I get kind of a little bit annoyed at things like that. But that's that's just me. But I I mean I I think uh, you know the the for travel for sure the the visual medium is is super powerful. But the the I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, neglect the audio as well for sure.
Yeah. Um, going to your podcast again. Um, I'm like we've talked before. I'm sure you went to a lot of countries by now. But do you have any one memorable moments from any of them? Were there any special finds or probably um a difficulty that you went through when you were recording for the podcast? When I was recording the podcast, you mean, uh, what did I have a challenge or just uh, or when I was actually traveling? What what other memorable moments are you speaking about memorable moments to do with the podcast yes. or um, as in like memorable moments when you are recording the podcast in a certain country? Oh, yes, absolutely. I remember. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's there's many of those moments. Uh, four years ago, I was traveling through Laos for a number of weeks, six weeks, six or seven weeks. And I. I did some podcasts uh, from Luang Prabang, which is this, uh, if you don't know, it's just this beautiful town in uh, in Laos and or Lao. And it's the it's got a huge monastic community. They have the, the it's the, the Takbak is the morning alms. So the monks walk out every I think hundreds of monks walk out every morning, look, you know, wow. looking for their their meal for the day. And uh, and it's, it's, it's all these beautiful temples and, and French colonial houses and mansions and that it's a beautiful place and i did some podcasts uh, right on the banks of the mekong river there while mm. i was looking out at the river and i was recording my uh podcast so that was a memorable moment and then just actually just most re- recently last year i was in nepal twice i was uh uh trekking in the spring uh the annapurna base camp and then in the fall for everest base camp and uh while i was staying in Kathmandu, i did did some uh, podcasts from a couple of cafes there, which I just I just love. I mean, it's it, it's uh, it's just one of the great joys of my life to mm-hmm. be able to share things like this. Uh, you know, with a microphone. I mean, I did, there's so much, I have so many stories about trying to get people to come out when I was working in radio to a car dealership, you know, to buy yeah. a car or look at cars and, you know, to now be sitting in a cafe in Kathmandu, Nepal and looking out at the streets and seeing the rickshaws go by and the people walking back and forth and the people selling stuff and talking about that and, and uh, what Kathmandu is like and talking about uh, trekking in Nepal was just, I mean, it was such a, a joy that uh, I just love sharing. Yeah, I think I'm picturing in my head right now. You're right. Yeah, when you're, when you're, because I've never been to Nepal myself, but I've seen pictures of it, so I can imagine what you're trying to describe right now. <laughs> Um, and and I, I and I actually did some podcasts while, uh, uh, during the last trek up to Everest Base Camp last fall. I actually oh. was able to do a couple of podcasts while I was trekking as well. I, have, I work with a really good platform that I can uh, interface uh, with and use just like an iPad or an iPhone to record the podcasts and then upload it. So I was able to do that a couple of times as well, which was, it's a, I mean, it's really, you know, you're, you're really restricted, of course, by, you know, how good the data is, mm. or coverage is where you are. And it's, it gets really challenging in some places in the Himalaya, but, uh, but that was one, wonderful to be able to share those experiences as well. Right, right. Um, among that, did you have any difficulties um, recording any of them, audio-wise or video-wise, that you can think of at the top of your head right now? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, not so much video wise because video is just recorded and then that's like saved and then I do the editing and stuff like that later. Yeah. But doing this stuff on the fly with audio is definitely challenging. And, and you know, uh, for me, one of the biggest challenges of doing any of this stuff, and I've done lots of live streaming as well. Like I've been a big uh, live streamer for t on Twitter. Um, I have a, a, a pretty good following on Twitter. I just did uh, just did a one on Twitter this morning from one of the local markets here in Phnom Penh and Periscope. And, uh, you know, the, the biggest challenge whenever you're trying to record and upload is just get, having a good data connection. You know, that's one of the most frustrating things is not having uh, strong data. And uh, I mean, in remote places, it's very, very difficult. So, I mean, you know, you know, many years ago when I uh, did some reporting, live reporting, as I was climbing up Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa, I had a satellite phone with me that, mm. uh, you know, was that, that was able to do the job. Not always, but uh, we had some pretty good coverage up there, but you know, for the podcast, like I think that was that's the fr frustrating thing is that you've got all this, um, you know, con what you think is amazing stories or content that you just want to tell and share with people right away. And the probably the most frustrating thing is is when you don't have that, you know, that data connection or Wi-Fi right. connection to do it. Right, right. So that was one of the difficulties. I think it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's been last year when I was uh, on the Everspace Camp Trek because it was just so hard to find not only uh, find data, but find data, a strong enough connection that you could upload something. You know, like it's one thing just being able to check an email, but it's another thing when you want to upload a file, right? Mm. Was it cold there when you were at Kilimanjaro? Yeah, it, it is. It, it's a yeah. It's an interesting trek because it, you know you can almost wear shorts on the first day, but really? then by the time you're at the top, you have to have you know a Gore-Tex jacket on and a down jacket, and you have to be dressed up very warm because yeah, it does get quite cold. I don't. I think because uh, uh, we actually the trek that I did was the one of the longest ones, and we slept in the crater yeah. the night before we summited, and I think it got down to about minus fifteen Celsius in the crater. Oh, that's rough. Mm, yeah, it was cold. Yeah. And we were all sick, too. We all felt sick. But, uh, you know, everybody made it up uh, the next day and it was uh, wonderful. So it was a whole crew. It wasn't only you, right? How many people? Was no, there? no. We had uh, seven people. We had seven people uh, that were in our trekking group. Mm -hmm. um, the guy that led the group, actually, is a very famous American uh, television host, Richard Weiss. This was on a, tre a trek I did, and he hosts a show on PBS in the United States now, and he's the president of the Explorers Club, and he led our trek. And we had 49 porters on that trek in order mm -hmm. to carry all of the kids and equipment and tents and everything. So it was quite a big group uh, 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 going up there um, the, because they're restricted by how much weight they can carry. Each porter is only allowed to carry, I believe, 30 kg. So they weigh all of your gear before you start and then uh, and then you uh, then then they decide how many porters that you need but uh, you, you have to have layers of clothing because yeah the first couple of days you're you're you know you're relatively warm during the daytime and then it starts getting cool and then the higher you get up of course it, it just it's gets very very cold right right speaking of that uh, speaking of the difficulties um, Probably, do you have any advice for um, the listeners who want to start a travel podcast or a travel video? Because I'm sure, like you said, the difficulties, it's not when you're doing a travel podcast, um, 
it's not only the weather, it's also the logistics that is difficult as well. So um, do you have any advice on how to record on the go or how to approach strangers? Do you have any Do you have any guests on the show? I remember there was one um, episode about Greenlands that you have uh, Dave in Osaka. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I had Dave. Uh, yeah, I have. Uh, usually I... I, I because I don't have, have a, you know, a team that's, uh, you know, if I had a producer, I'd probably have them, you know, finding people for me to interview all the time. So I, you know, I fi- have to find people myself. So I do have people that have been on the podcast in the past, come back and, you know, I have a, a friend in Taiwan, Bruno, and he does reports from Taiwan and China. So he kind of covers East Asia for me and gives me updates and things like that. Um, and I've had, uh, you know, a Lonely Planet uh, uh, author on before Robert Kelly and I've had different people on. I don't always have people I'd, you know, certainly I'd like to have more guests on the show. Um, it's not really the concept when I, it started, it was more an experiential podcast and that I was like doing things from markets and describing. And, um, so, uh, yeah. So I, I mean, uh, I actually coach people on podcasting as well. I have, mm. I work with a few people on 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 uh, helping them start their podcast, and you can certainly do it yourself. Uh, you know, I what I would recommend because I've made lots of mistakes, so I have lots of experience from making lots of mistakes. Is that you do before you just jump on and just say, okay, I'm going to sign up and I'm going to do this. Do a lot of research. Go online, look up you know uh, tips on podcast podcasting and how to launch a podcast, how many times you should podcast a week. You know, I I work with people to help find their voice because I find with anything like this, if you don't have the experience, Mm. um, you really lose interest after a while. You know, you have to really find something that you really, really are passionate about talking about. So if it is travel that you are really passionate about or food or something like that, that's what you have to pick to um, to do a podcast on and because you got to expect that you're not going to really sort of start to see any kind of signs that you're really building it or growing it for many, maybe even a couple of years. Right. So, you know, it, it, it takes a long time to build up a following and an audience. So you have to find something that you're really, really passionate about. So if it's, if it's, um, you know, if it's about Singapore that you're really, you love Singapore and your city, then do something on Singapore. Don't try to be everything to everybody and, and, and try to focus on more one region than just kind of try to cover everything because I think it's a lot easier to be searchable if you're just sort of focusing on, on one area. So I, I work with people because I really believe, I, I mean, I help people find their voice. And mm-hmm. I, I believe that if you can find your voice, if you're, if you get really comfortable and you're telling the story the way you want to, and your personality is coming out, then you're going to want to keep doing it all the time. Right. But if you start doing podcasting, you just kind of jump in there and, uh, you know, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. And I think that's what people find is because I see lots of people start, start podcasts and they do maybe six weeks, you know, you can go on uh, iTunes or any of the platforms and see, you know, people doing like three podcasts and then they give up or six or for whatever reason, you know, we don't know why they gave up, but you know, a lot of people start these things out and then, you know, and it takes time. It takes, uh, you know, like I said, at least a couple of years before you really start to, you know, build up a following. Yeah, that's right. Any equipment hacks like when you're filming on the go? 
Like probably. Well, I sure I, I'll tell you exactly what I use. I mean, I I've used a lot of different things. I've used lavalier mics, just like the little mic that clips on your collar, and you know that plugs in. You can use that to plug into your iPhone uh, or your mobile phone, and uh, you know most of the podcasting. Pl- platforms now, like I use Spreaker, have these mobile studios or apps where basically you can record the whole podcast. You just plug it into your phone and you can record record a whole podcast that Mm. way. I use um, something called the uh, H5 Zoom or Zoom H5. Mm. um, And it's a a stereo recorder, digital stereo recorder professional. It has two, like a left and right channel microphone on it. So you can record like kind of circle sound ambient sounds and things so i actually use this when i'm doing uh youtube videos as well and it also has an interface for ipad iphone or a computer so you can plug it into your computer and it, it will talk to the platform that you're working with like so say for me i'm using spreaker it'll it, it will like i can i could have you on my show mm. and i can do everything and record it just like a radio show and uh i don't need anything else and then i use um a sure i think it's an S58, uh, Model 58, I think it's a Model 58, uh, uh, sure microphone for most of the stuff that I do. I just have a cheap, um, I pay like two bucks for it or three bucks for it, like a microphone stand and an XLR plug and the plug plugs into the H5 Zoom. You you can get the, the, like one of my uh, um, podcast students uses an H2, which Mm. is fine. Like he, he bought before I started working with him and I said, that's fine. You can actually use that microphone to do your podcasting with as well. I would, I don't even really need the sure. I, I, I could just set it up and use the left and right channel on the zoom. So that works. I mean, if you, if you're just starting out, I wouldn't spend a lot of money on it. I, you don't need to, it's just like when you start a YouTube channel, you don't need to go out and buy a $2,000 camera. Like the first videos, I'm going to say the first videos, the, the, one of the most, uh, videos that's got the most hits about the 350,000 on uh, my channel. Uh, I did it with an iPhone, you know, (laughs) so you don't necessarily need, and and lots of really big YouTubers started out just with using their mobile phone to start their channel. So I, I wouldn't recommend going out and just buying a whole bunch of equipment until you really start doing it. And then, and then you can start building it on there. But I wouldn't just go out and do that right away until you know for sure that it's something that you really want to do. But like like I said, it's uh, like these platforms that are out there now, they, and uh, they make it really easy for you to record a podcast. And then and then they usually have a, like a built-in upload that, you know, you, you just you finish it. Mm. And then you just press a button and then it uploads onto um, their platform and then it'll go onto iTunes and everywhere else. Right. Just did, a quick, I, did I cover everything there? No, no, you did. You did. But just a quick question. Um, since we're talking about equipment, because we use a Zoom H6 here, but do you prefer Tascam or do you prefer Zoom? Well, I've never worked with Tascam before, like uh, for podcasting. Um, I think there's somebody I know that has one. I think it's fine. Uh, I, I like the Zoom products. Uh, the H6 is the was the next model after the five, obviously, and uh, it's got a few more bells and whistles on it. So that's a nice, like that's a nice. I don't know if this the H5 is still available, but the H6 is. Uh, I mean, if I was buying one now, I would get the H6 for sure. Mm-hmm. I think you can plug four microphones into the yep. uh, four four XLR microphones into the uh, H6. But I, but um, uh, but the 
HY for me is fine. It's, uh, you know, I'd only ever interview one other person. So it has two inputs for XLR and you can also plug in a, a lav mic into it. And I also use it, uh, as I said, for recording uh, the audio uh, for my YouTube videos as well. Right. Speaking of production as well, I realized that there is 360, because I'm new to this, I'm, I'm, I wanted to buy equipment for myself as well. So that's why I'm gathering opinions as well between Tascam and Zoom. And also another question that I have is, um, I realized that there is a 360 degree video on your uh, Facebook page. But how, how do you do that? Do you use your phone or do you use like a DSLR? Yeah, so one of the jobs I have as well is I produce video content for a Facebook channel called 360 Today, mm -hmm. and they're based in Korea, and uh, they also have a website, but I believe most of the content on the website is, is in Korean, but we also have a YouTube channel called 360 Today as well. So I use, uh, the brand is called Insta360, and I've been using those cameras for, I guess, two or three years now. They contacted me when I was live streaming streaming on Twitter and they asked me if I, if I wanted a camera mm -hmm. and they gave, they started giving me cameras to use for live streaming because that was when Twitter and Periscope introduced 360 degree live streaming on the platform. And then Facebook followed as well. But the, the, those cameras, um, the, the older models just plug right into your mobile phone mm -hmm. and they, they work with a, with an app in your mobile phone and you can, um, record live or, or you can just uh, record the video and then you can upload it later. And uh, so that's, the, yeah, that's, that's the type of work I do on Facebook is, is, and, and YouTube as well is for 360 today. So, that, and they're really inexpensive. They're maybe a couple hundred dollars. They have some uh, more sophisticated models now that don't require uh, the mobile phone, like you can use the mobile phone to monitor it and control it, but you don't necessarily need the mobile phone. So they, they, the, 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 uh, 360 cameras have gotten more, um, sophisticated, but it's, uh, you know, we're talking about telling stories visually. I think it's really an incredible way to share travel is through 360. You know, I, I often, even on my own content, if I just record a regular, video uh, or uploads or, you know, do a live stream or something and it's not in 360, I, I start topping the phone trying to move the screen around because I'm so used to doing that with the 360 because right. it's so cool when you can swing around and if I'm walking through a market I can see people in front of me and behind me and side to side or if I'm on a motorbike driving around Saigon you know you can see the buildings to the side of you what's going on in front and behind so it's a really I think uh, I mean it's I think this type of um media is only going to grow and uh, you know and, and you know of course you know, people really feel like they're traveling with you right that's that's really interesting because i saw the videos and i was like wait how does he do this because i and i agree with you when you're doing or when anyone is doing like a travel podcast or um, a video a youtube channel video for travel 360 view actually helps a lot because you can see panoramic and you can see the whole thing instead of just having a one view to it yeah and it's understanding how to use it as well like mm. there's still some people out there that do these 360 videos and they they're kind of still treating it like a like a regular camera so they'll go up to something that looks really beautiful on one side 
and they'll like use that on the 360 and then there's nothing in you know nothing to show on the other side or it's just like you know like you, you have to really in, in order to really engage people you have to find things that really show off uh like a, a 360 story like if you're on the rooftop of a building or um you're walking through a market and there's things happening all around you and uh, i mean i think maybe either today or tomorrow i'm going to take one of the afternoon boat cruises out on the Tonle Sap uh, Mekong River here and uh, do 360 videos so that I can show people like uh, on top of one of the boats and then they can see, you know, the banks and uh, the the traffic going by and stuff like that. And then, the, the, you know, the over the boat and the surrounding river as well. So it's just finding ways to share, you know, and, and thinking in, in a 360 mindset as well. Right, yeah, that's right. Speaking of 360, you obviously come out with one of the best content that I have actually listened to because it's amazing to me as well. I come from Asia, I come from Singapore and I haven't traveled that much um, in Asia itself. Now, when you have already, you already have good content, how did you grow your audience? Because looking at the numbers from the research that I did, um, you started out in May 2014, but your subscribers on YouTube is 8.6k you have like 10k followers on Facebook is there any advice to that on how to grow your audience well I think and and my and I still I mean my channel's growing pretty good but it's still far 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 way behind where I'd like it to be but I think with with YouTube what you well you, again you have to find that the the key the critical thing is finding something that you really like to share because the audience is going to see that and then they're going to you're going to attract other people that like the same thing as you and that's how you're going to initially that's how you're going to develop a following is by sharing the stuff that you think is so cool so whatever that is um or whatever you're good at or whatever you just like if you love you know, I don't, whatever it is, noodles, and you know all the best noodle places in Singapore or, you know, chili crab or whatever it is, and you are the expert on that. And people, and people, when people see you doing it, you're like super excited and you're stoked and you're trying this stuff. And, and then, and then people get engaged and, and into it. Well, there's this guy in the States that he does um, some videos on Eater, which mm. is a, a YouTube channel as well. And he talks about meat. He's the, the, meat guy or steak guy or whatever. And I don't even eat steak, but I like watching this guy because he's so into what he's doing. He loves it and he's just so passionate about it. And he's interesting to watch, you know, and, and it's because he really is enjoying what he does. And then the other thing with YouTube is, you know, what I find that really works is, is, is telling people how to do something like giving them advice. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have a lot of uh, because I lived in Taipei for many years, I have a lot of knowledge on Taipei. So I did lots of videos on using the Taipei MRT system and uh, things that you need to know before you go to Taipei like or Taiwan, because a lot of people don't know that. You know, there's a lot of uh, restaurants there that only take cash. You know, there it's not like uh, so. If you come from the states or somewhere else where you're used to just pulling your credit card out all the time, it's it's not like that in in Taiwan. A lot of people only take cash, and even famous restaurants right. um, will only take cash. So, you know, like if you can 
tell things to people about that or then about like the language barrier that they might have or, um, you know, things that are going to help people. That's what people that, you know, you think about why people go to YouTube. They go to be entertained mm. or they go to be informed. Um, you know, those are, those are the two main things that people use YouTube for. So if, you know, if you're really super entertaining and funny and, you know, you can do stuff around that, then great. If you if you're not necessarily that person, um, then do something that you use your skills or what the knowledge that you have and share that. And then people will will gravitate that and they'll want it. It's you know, it's YouTube can be a really frustrating place because I'll see some YouTubers and they'll have these great, big, huge followings. Mm. And their videos are kind of for me, they're OK. And then I'll look at like something like you know, a big rock star group or like Radiohead and the, yeah. the person that, you know, that and their and their channel, I mean, because they, they don't produce stuff just for YouTube. So it's different. But I'll look at their numbers and channel and go, well, this doesn't make sense. Why are these, these guys are superstars? You know, they're the one of the world's greatest rock bands. Why does this guy seats. have or this person have more followers on YouTube than them? <laughs> I mean, this, these people are way more talented, but it's just the algorithm. It's just the way it works. And, um, you know, if you, you know, there's just a lot of people that get really lucky as well. And, uh, you know, if you get a, if you get a video that just for some reason, it just, it gets some traction right away. You know, people look at it. It's like a friend of mine described, uh, like YouTube videos. Like if you're looking at a couple of restaurants, right. And one has a big lineup outside and the other, there's nobody in, which one are you going to probably want to go to? True. You know, so it's like, if you see a video on the same subject and you see two videos and you see one has got like 200,000 views and the other one's got 20. Which one are you going to go to first? You might not even ever look at the 21 once you see the one that's got 200,000 views. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean that it's better. It just means that it's gotten a lot of views, you know. True. And and uh, so that's that's kind of how it works. But if you can find things that you're really uh, knowledgeable at and share your knowledge and and of course if you can do it in an entertaining way as well that's even better yeah. uh, you know I think that for most people that that's probably one of the quickest ways to build uh, your following and channel good that's sound advice but are you a fan of Radiohead? oh huge fan one but of my favorite bands did you see um, the Netflix special that uh, Radiohead came out with? I think when they, was that? When was that on? It was recent. I, I think they came out with. I don't know whether it was a single or an album, but they. <laughs> the thing is, I think they're rock stars because they came out with an. It's not a Netflix special, but the moment that they dropped that single or album, uh, that special was on Netflix. So I think it was just for that period of time. Just so you know, because assuming from the conversation, you love Radiohead, so you might want to check that out. Oh, okay, I will do that. Well, they're, they're, they've been at the forefront of things like that. I mean, they've offered uh, their music directly to their uh, fans, you know, in the past. They've done some stuff that, uh, you know, that nobody else had done at the time. So they've yeah. been pretty innovative in in what they do. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm a huge fan of them. <laughs> I, I thought so. I like them, too. And I agree with you. They're innovative as well. So is there any chance that you're going to come in Singapore? Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I was just talking to a friend about that here yesterday uh, about going to Singapore. I have, I just, you know what I, I just saw, which would be, I mean, it's so expensive to go to that bar, but the long bar at Raffles, I, I saw that Ooh. they've opened Raffles up again. They did a big um, reno on it and it was closed, I think, for uh, almost a year or six Raffles months. Hotel? Or so. 
Yeah. And, and, uh, I saw the documentary on the, the first part of the doc, documentary on opening up, but, um, I'm not going to say it raffles, but maybe I'll go have a, a Singapore sling or something, but no, I'd love to, uh, I'd definitely love to get to Singapore again. It's been t- too long since I've been to Singapore. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, uh, the, the, the food is amazing there and, uh, it's a, be- it's a really, really cool city. Good. When you're here, can ha- we can have you in the studio. That would be good. Would, would love that. I would love that. <laughs> It would be awesome. So um, as a closing, where can the listeners find you? Like probably on LinkedIn or where they can listen and view your YouTube videos? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, LinkedIn, it's just, yeah, I'm, I'm John Sabo on LinkedIn. You can check out my bio there and all the things that I do. Um, uh, YouTube, of course, John Sabo on YouTube. And then for podcasts, wherever you get your podcast from, just find Far East, the Far East Travels podcast. That's the audio podcast or the Far East Travels video podcast. Now, the the, the other thing that I, I would pass on advice to people when they're thinking about a video podcast is that it you know, not all the platforms can share out video. That's the problem with video podcasting. So, you know, there's lots of, uh, podcast, uh, apps out there that only share audio. So you're only going to be able to share the audio portion of your video podcast just to keep that in mind, but they can check out the, the video podcast in iTunes. Of course, they can watch it through iTunes or Podbean. Uh, they host my video podcast as well. They're a good, actually, if anybody's ever thinking of doing a video podcast, Podcast Podbean has a really good um, podcast platform and offer for uh, for video podcasters. And um, so the, the and then, of course, on Facebook, uh, either Far East Adventure Travel or John Sabo Official. And don't forget to also follow me on 360 Today on Facebook for 360 videos. I do those at least two or three times a week. Mm-hmm. Right. Thank you so much, John. So that's, I hope with that, the search of your number for your podcast would increase for that. Because I think you really have, I genuinely think you have um, really interesting content and I'm listening to it myself. <laughs> oh, thanks. I really, I really super appreciate that. And I think what you guys are doing there is is really cool as well. Sharing out podcasting advice and, uh, and helping uh, young podcasters as well. I think it's awesome. Right. Looking forward to have you on the show. Thank you so much for your time, John. Thanks, Sheeta. It was great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. That was the podcast show powered by Pitch Media Asia. The podcast show is where we feature the journeys of the best and upcoming podcast hosts here in Asia. If you want to be a part of that journey, tune in to soundcloud.com slash the podcast show Asia, or you can contact me on LinkedIn to be on the show. My name is Sheeta Osman.